This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. To instill fear into their hearts, I became a bat, a monster in the night. And in doing so, have I become the very thing that all monsters become, alone. It is a podcast, bad books for beginners. Chris and Jerry help you pick out some winners. On Batman and the Bat Fam, they do their bat jam. They're talking about Batman. Have a good time, no more crime and grime. Right before we begin this time. Do you want to read some Batman trade paperbacks but don't know where to start? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Check out Bat Books for Beginners. It is a podcast on the BatmanUniverse.net where Chris and Jerry talk about their favorite and not-so-favorite Batman trades. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 193. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we're your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Final Crisis. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Well, a little Led Zeppelin. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for downloading and spending some of your time with us today. Final Crisis is a book that had a few different versions, so you can take your pick. There is a 352-page softcover edition that was published in January 2010 and had a cover price of 19.99 and has gone through subsequent printings. And online vendors have the subsequent printings at slightly under the cover price. Now, there was also a hardcover edition that exists for 29.99 that came out six months earlier and can be found around the same cost. There also exists a softcover text novelization that was written by Greg Cox that came out in 2010 and had a cover price of $15, which is long since out of print. In 2014, DC released a 420-page expanded edition, which included some but not all of the crossovers. That had a cover price of $19.99, and it still appears to be around the same price at the time of this recording. And just this year, DC Comics put out the final Crisis Omnibus hardcover, collecting the original seven-issue miniseries and every title crossover. I would have to think, 
which contains so many issues that it would be mm. too lengthy to list them all here in our main interests for this discussion. And that 1,500-page book was originally <laughs> cover-priced at $150. Wow. And online vendors have this for around $90 to $120. Mm. I don't think we've ever mentioned a book in that size before. Yeah. God, I have to think I'd make a great weight or doorstop, or I'm not sure. <laughs> Now, as previously stated, this is a seven-issue miniseries, and that is what Jerry and I will be discussing. The individual issues were cover-dated July 2008 and went through March 2009. Each issue was 40 pages and had a cover price of $3.99. If you're interested in obtaining a hard copy version of this story, well, the individual back issues are not exorbitant. uh, and They're around cover price from online vendors, but this does appear to be available on Comixology in its entirety for $5.99 at the time of this recording. Once again, for our creative teams, I'll cite online resources and go a little bit off my memory. For our writer, we had Grant Morrison, who we mentioned on our last episode. So to (laughs) recap, Morrison is 58 years old, and he's a native of Glasgow, Scotland. Morrison broke in on the comics in the UK, including work on the title 2000 AD, but he quickly got a claim for his work on the obscure DC title character Animal Man in the late 1980s, which was where I first encountered his work and which I highly recommend seeking out. He's also worked on Doom Patrol and the graphic novel Arkham Asylum, A Serious House. Morrison would later work on the All-Star Superman title in 2005, for which he would win Eisner Awards for Best New Series and Best Continuing Series. Again, this is something I would seek out to read. Morrison is the co-creator of the sci-fi series Happy, which stars Christopher Maloney and Pat Oswald. And Jerry, as we previously mentioned, I think the most recent thing we've seen Morrison do is some prose pieces by the new publisher on the Black Ahoy comics. Yep. And they put the titles Wrong Earth, High Heaven, and Captain Ginger. The main art in the covers were provided by J.G. Jones. And one quick word about the covers. Each issue had two covers, one with two red vertical stripes on each side that, in my opinion, I thought were pretty unremarkable. Mm-hmm. But the other version depicted individual here. Heroes, which I thought were very, very striking. Mm-hmm. Carlos Pacheo is credited with art in issues four through six, and Doug Monkey is credited with art on issues six and seven. Jones hails from Walker, Louisiana, and attended Louisiana State University and the University at Albany and SUNY, uh, NYU, where he received mm-hmm. his Master of Fine Arts degree. Mm-hmm. On Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man, and for DC Comics, the six-issue limited series Villains United, that was written by Gail Simone. He's also done work on the series 52, where he did the covers in the Maxi Series 52. In 1999, Jones and writer Devin K. Grayson introduced the Yelena Bellavo character in the Black Widow limited series, mm-hmm. and the following year, Jones would work with uh, Grant Morrison for the Marvel Boys series for Marvel Comics. Mm. Jones and writer Mark Wade produced a, a title called Strange Fruit for Boom Studios in July 2015. Uh, Carlos Pateo is 55. He's a native of Spain. And Doug Monkey is known for his work on Batman, Green Lantern, JLA, and Nightwing. For some additional background... Final Crisis came out from several ideas Grant Morrison had when he returned to DC Comics in 2003. Mm -hmm. Morrison is quoted as saying, I pitched a huge crossover event called Hyper Crisis, which didn't happen for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Some of Hyper Crisis went into Seven Soldiers. Some went into All-Star Superman. Some went into 52. And some of it found a home in Final Crisis. Mm -hmm. According to Grant Morrison, work finally began on Final Crisis number one in early 2006, with the intention of the series being a thematic and literal sequel to 
Seven Soldiers and 52, two projects that Morrison was heavily involved with at the time. The original intent for was for Jones to pencil the whole series. However, due to delays, Carlos Pacheo drew issues numbers four through six with Jones, and issue number seven was drawn entirely by Doug Monkey. Hmm. Jones said that, quote, any problems completing the series are on my own. I love Doug Monkey's art, and he would have been a better choice to draw the series in the first place, end quote. One of the characters appearing here is the villain Libra. Libra was created by Len Wein and Dick Dillon and first appeared in Justice League of America number 111, cover dated June 1974. An issue I distinctly remember my mom getting me at the local 7-Eleven before mm-hmm. taking me and my sister along to her hair appointment at a salon in Goldsmith's department store in Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> it was a 100-page issue, and she figured that would probably keep me quiet in the <laughs> waiting area for the duration. <laughs> and it did. I remember the sub heading on the cover that read, Here Comes TV Super Friends. Mm. This would be the only appearance by Libra until Morrison brought him back, and he explains, quote, The reason I chose them was because Libra had come from my favorite run of Justice League of America, and he had never been used again. Hmm. He was a character who had stolen all the powers of the Justice League, but then couldn't handle it and ascended to some kind of screaming godhood where he became a million transparent body parts spread across the sky. Hmm. So I thought that if I was going to do a story about new gods, he would be an interesting guy to bring back because I needed a masked mystery man to start a new recruitment drive for the secret society of supervillains. Because they became most an almost like a terrorist sect. Under Libra's guidance, they started doing quite bad things, even Hmm. to superheroes' wives and families, crossing Hmm. the line. So there's that element of the story that I needed a masked guy who people really didn't know that well. And I I remember Libra and the fact that he's connected to the Ascending Godhood thing tied him in really quite nicely. What's really going on under the hood will be revealed later in the series. Mm-hmm. Libra is also known as Equinox, and his full origin can be found in Final Crisis Secret Files number 1. Libra's story in Justice League of America number 111 would be reprinted in a title called DC Universe Special Justice League of America. It was cover priced at $4.99, which... For like some of the other Morrison stories of the day, it's a very nice companion piece, and it provided some good background and reference material for this book that we're going to look at. Over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of three stars out of five based on 302 reviews, and over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.39 stars out of five based on 5,098 ratings and 490 reviews. Hmm. Uh, but just what do Jerry and I think of this? Is this a good bat book for a beginner? Is it a good book, period? We'll get there soon, but first we have to hear Jerry's story recap. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Oh, thanks, Chris. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Hey, folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. 
The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure that those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages. And as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that. You can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things. All right. Two things. One, Make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting a Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. Here is the story of Final Crisis. Get comfortable. This is going to be a wild ride, <laughs> and it's going to take some time. <laughs> Detective Dan Turpin finds a dying super in a trash can and burns his hand when he tries to touch him. It is Orion, a soldier god of New Genesis. Renee Montoya, as the question, tells Turpin about some missing metahuman children that are at the Dark Side Club. Turpin goes there, and the man in charge says he gave the kids to Granny Goodness, a resident of Apocalypse. They have turned the children into mindless servants by teaching them the anti-life equation. The sky is red with weird lightning, and Green Lantern John Stewart gets the call that a god has been killed. This isn't supposed to be possible. He meets up with Green Lantern Hal Jordan. What could possibly have killed Orion? They ring up the Guardians and Oa to let them know. The Guardians send a special Operation Alpha unit to investigate. These Alpha units are supposed to be very powerful and not able to be compromised. They realize that only bad gods can kill new gods. Dr. Light and Mirror Master get a special chair for someone called Libra. Libra has bought, brought some baddies together, Lex Luthor, Vandal Savage, Savannah, Gorilla Grodd, and others. Libra promises to get each of them their heart's desire if they swear allegiance to his master as yet unknown. Lex isn't too sure. The human flame wants Martian Manhunter dead, and Libra kills him, upping his cred with the group. Lex suggests that if Libra was able to hurt Superman, he just might join up. 
at the Universal Ori, there has been sabotage, and they blame a monitor named Nix Utan for sleeping on the job. They strip him of his memories and powers and send him to Earth. He was saying that he was innocent and pledges to return to his lady, Ouija Dell. It turns out there's a plot to get rid of Utan. Utan wakes up in an apartment late for work, and it's a bad job. <laughs> he somehow knows that there's magic word that'll bring his memories back, but even at his fast food job, he can't think of the word. He takes up drawing instead. He knows that something is up and finds evidence of a strange shape that gives powers, which has been passed down from the time before human history. A group of Japanese non-powered costume kids who call themselves the Super Young Team visit Sunny Sumo, a great fighter, and won his autograph. Sumo wants them to leave him alone when Mr. Miracle arrives and tells Sumo that he's putting a team together to fight evil in a cosmic war. Oh, and he's got a mother box, too, so that's him. <laughs> Turpin finds a guy who builds helmets that enslaved the children. This guy tells him to go to Bloodhaven, which has been destroyed, and meet up with a Reverend Good who wants money to rebuild the city. The Justice League is on the satellite and decides that there's trouble afoot. Orion and Martian Manhunter are both dead, and that's bad. The Alpha Unit arrives, led by Alpha Lantern Kraken. She seems cranky. Batman believes that Orion was shot, even though there wasn't an entry or exit wound. They find a bullet buried under concrete that had been laid down 50 years or more before. Batman posits that a bullet was shot from the future into the past and calculated to arrive at Orion's insides just at the right time. World's greatest detective, baby. Take that. That's right. (laughs) Columbo's got nothing on Batman. (laughs) The bullet has uh, weird radiation and Batman takes it for further investigation. John Stewart is attacked, and Alpha Lantern Kraken arrests Hal Jordan for the crime. Superman has to go to Metropolis to keep up the Clark Kent gig, and Alpha Lantern Kraken tells Batman that something is eating her mind. Turns out the Alpha has been compromised. Alpha Lantern Kraken is taken over again by Granny Goodness and takes Batman through a boon tube to be imprisoned. Turpin arrives in Bloodhaven and asks Reverend Good about the missing kids. Turns out Good is an apocalypse god, too, and is in the business of making more anti-life slaves. Turpin sees Batman getting imprisoned in a pipe. Turpin gets taken, too. In Metropolis, there's a huge bomb planted by Clayface in his Jimmy Olsen gear at the top of the Daily Planet building. Lois is severely hurt in the blast, and Clark sits at her hospital bedside, keeping her alive with his Kryptonian powers. With Superman out of the picture, Lex reluctantly joins up with Libra. Though it turns out that these helmets Libra is handing out aren't good for you. They make you an anti-life slave or something like that. Luckily for Lex, they don't make him put on one of the hats. (laughs) The Flashes, Jay Garrick and Wally West, are running around looking for the source of the bullet that went back through time to kill Orion. They find the place and the time that it was shot from. An energy hole opens, and Flash Barry Allen runs through it, followed by Death telling the other two Flashes to run. They do. Also, they thought Barry was dead, so that's nice that he isn't. Jay can't keep up, so he heads home, where over a cup of tea he tells the Flash family that Barry isn't nearly as dead as they thought. Barry's wife, Iris, is pleased. Fake Alpha Lantern Kraken builds Hal Jordan into Lantern Central to be tried for attempted murder of Jon Stewart. With all of the strange deaths and disappearances, Wonder Woman and the rest of the Justice League realize something big is going on. 
Captain Marvel, Supergirl, Black Canary, Green Arrow are brought into the fight, among many, many others. Sonny Sumo and Mr. Miracle are attacked on an airport tarmac by a helmeted enemy. The super young team, who had been tailing Sonny Sumo for an autograph, swoop in to save the day at everyone's surprise. They're not as useless as they thought. (laughs) Wonder Woman is in Bloodhaven, assessing the damage to the ruined city. Mary Marvel shows up, and it turns out she's been turned out. She's evil now. Aww. Yeah, Mary. The two fight doing a lot of damage to nearby dogs. Really? <laughs> anyway, Mary brings up the fact that she's now a servant of Darkseid. Aha, Darkseid. Editor's note, the big bad is Darkseid. But Darkseid is dead. Hang on a minute, it's coming. They gas or drug Diana, and she also serves. The Flashes arrive in Bloodhaven a few weeks into the future, having failed to stop the bullet. They are immediately beset by evil Wonder Woman and her gang of Furies. Barry and Wally are happy to see each other, but don't have too much time for pleasantries. There is much fighting. Argh! Die, die, die! Fight, fight, fight! (laughs) (laughs) Oracle picks up a sudden surge of power in Bloodhaven. Barbara sees super killer virus going all over the internet. She demands everyone pull the plugs. All across the world, on TVs, computers, all electronics, refrigerators, I don't know, a single message is sent. The mathematical proof that convinces everyone that they have to become part of the anti-life group. So everyone that hears it decides to join the band. Everyone riots and attacks various places all over the world. The Justice League building is under attack. Lots of heroes are inside the building and use extraordinary transport to get inside. The whole Flash family, Marvel family, wives, kids, etc., they're all there, too. So is Renee Montoya and Black Canary and her love, Green Arrow. Now, Bloodhaven is a wreck. Yeah, that's a given, though, but... Yeah, (laughs) it's usually in pretty bad shape, but this time it's in really bad shape. (laughs) The strike force has all been killed. The Marvel men decide to get involved. Supergirl, too. There are some watchtowers that are holding out against the onslaught. They realize that big-time heroes like Martian Manhunter, Orion, Batman, and Wonder Woman are either dead or missing, and it's all part of one big thing. Uh Uh-oh. At the Justice League, the people inside transport out, but someone has to stay behind, and Green Arrow makes sure that it is he who risks himself for the others. He is hit hard by the now-evil Black Lightning and forced to put on a mind-control helmet. But you can still tell it's him by his little beard, so that's good. Barry, thought dead, visits his wife, Iris, who is being anti-life hypnotized by the radio. He saves her by turning off the radio and kisses the dark side out of her. Fighting continues. Mr. Miracle is with the super young team when he is shot. Luckily, he's wearing a bulletproof vest, but the super young team acquit themselves very nicely. They hook up with the Checkmate Gang, and we've covered the Checkmate Gang before on the show a little bit. For a few issues now, they've had Turpin strapped to a chair with several uncomfortable-looking devices attached to him. He is getting head-tripped really badly and threatened. Psychological torture, probably physical torture, and extreme discomfort. They break him down, and then the dead dark side is reincarnated into Turpin's body, and Turpin becomes full-on dark side. This is bad. Meanwhile, at the Gardens of Oa Civil Court, they realize that Hal is innocent when Alpha Lantern Kraken tries to kill everyone, and it's revealed that she is Granny Goodness, and she steals the, tries to steal the main lantern from which all the lanterns get their powers. 
Um, you know, uh, I'm not a real big Green Lantern fan, so I'm a little sketchy on exactly what's happening here. But uh, a guardian kill is killed, which I think is really, really bad. And there is a lantern energy fight, which is green and pretty. Hal gets his ring back and gives the order to save the universe. There's a lot of fighting. We get Hawkman, Frankenstein, the good Frankenstein, the Marvels, Supergirl, the Lanterns, and more, all trying to save the Earth from Darkseid's rampaging army. Black Adam takes out the possessed Mary Marvel, but is stopped by Captain Marvel. Then Mary kicks both of their butts. Now, remember Utan from before? Well, he's starting to remember things with the help of an old wise man, and he realized one of the pictures he was sketching was a real girl, and by golly, here she is. He has the power to summon her. Cool, yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm a monitor. By the power of solving a Rubik's Cube in a mathematically impossible few number of moves, a portal is opened by some mysterious guy in a wheelchair. Something goes through, but what? Libra's killing people that, for whatever reason, are impervious to Garden State Darkseid. It just doesn't take. They hear it, it doesn't work, they gotta go. Darkseid is ungrateful though for those who helped him bring him back to life, and he kills a lot of them for various reasons. He's a bad boss. All is one in Darkseid. <laughs> Supergirl fights Mary Marvel. Hal and the Lanterns are deployed at hyperspace velocity to save the Earth. By the power of Kirby Crackle, Darkseid starts to take control of all. All of creation becomes his body at his command. Meanwhile, Superman, last seen at Lois's bedside, like forever ago, and not helping at all, by the way. He's on walkabout with Brainiac 5. You ever go on one of those road trips at final time, you know, at the end of the semester? <laughs> you know, so Soups is on this road trip with uh, Brainiac 5 to the year 2960, where it turns out they can make a super green lantern bomb. They call it the Miracle Machine and only trust Superman to work it. They have their reasons. All of the Super's families are attacked. Lions and tigers and bears. Captain Marvel grabs Mary Marvel, and by saying the magic word, he has just enough Shazam juice to turn them both back to regular humans. She vows to never say the word again. There are a lot of teams fighting each other. All is one in dark side. No, no, it isn't. Arr, fight, fight, fight. Big battles everywhere. Even Ollie is fighting, and Black Canary tries to punch the dark side out of him. Renee Montoya meets Brother Eye, the supercomputer intelligent eyeball. Lex Luthor and Savannah decide that they are not down with all this dark side jazz, and Savannah shuts down all the helmets while Luthor blasts Libra into another dimension with his war suit. The three flashes get together and coax death out of the time stream and sick him on dark side. Barry and Wally run through time with Black Flash on their tails. They have to run fast. I mean, I know they've had to run fast before, but this time, Chris, they really had to run fast, and they had to keep running fast. So, Batman presumably escaped from his prison tube, and he enters Darkseid's throne room. Darkseid wonders, like the rest of us, where he's been for the last few issues. Turns out, he's been making a gun that shoots the bullet that had been shot into the past. It's a special bullet that Batman figures can kill Darkseid. So, he forgets his no-guns policy and shoots him. At the same time, Death shows up in a ball of crackle and fries Batman. This upsets Superman. Time and space begin to collapse. Worlds are created out of worlds. The Marvels and Renee Montoya show up in an alternate universe of Supermen to enlist their aid. They come along for the ride. 
Darkseid is gravely wounded by Batman's bullet, and Superman showed up, but is overwhelmed. The Flashes show up with Black Flash in tow. They run so fast they hit the terminal moment, which causes an energy blast that pulls Darkseid into the void of nothingness in a Kirby land of darkness. That's gotta smart. Turpin gets his groove back. We we get Dan back. As Darkseid died, it created an, an explosion of universes as far as the IP holdings of DC Comics can see. The heroes split up into their own universes or books or whatever. Even Captain Carrot uh, shows up, which is always nice to see him. Libra shows up with an army and tries to make a play for running things, but the remaining heroes team up and fight him off. Superman and Lex Luthor note the irony of fighting on the same side. With Darkseid dead, Wonder Woman came back to herself and bound what remained of Darkseid in her lasso and chains him forever. Superman fires up the Miracle Machine and uh, confronted by the darkness demon Mandrake. But since soup cells absorb light, he can make them emit light and does that to Mandrake, and that's bad. So Mandrake uh, is in trouble. Then the Marvels and the universe of Superman and everyone else attack. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of people killed, a lot of bad guys killed. All the good armies push back the bad ones, I think. Many dies, but humanity survives. The Lanterns get their groove back. The Flash families have a sit-down dinner together, finally. Flowers grow, new Genesis is born, the monitors make up. Remember Utan from before? Well, Utan, yeah, I mean, it's been a while, but he's back. He's reunited with Ouija Dell. He makes her forget... you know, being a monitor and transports her to earth with presumably another terrible job. It's it's like the monitors know the guy at Big Belly Burger and they've got a deal. (laughs) And now she's probably going to get that job. (laughs) Anyway, there's an epilogue where there are cavemen and someone that looks suspiciously like Bruce Wayne, including combat boots in prehistoric times is drawing bats on the walls. Batman's not dead and he's back. Cool. That's the story. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Well, so Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Backroll and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Backroll and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not. Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't. And of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their backroll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the backroll spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. 
Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what'd you think? Well, Jerry, first off, Yeoman's job on the story oh, recap, uh, there was an enormous amount of ground to cover, oh. so my kudos to you. Mm. You Applause, applause. You did Thank a great you. job with that uh, story recap. I hope I got enough of it right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Excellent job. Thank you. Well, Jerry, here we are with another quote-unquote event book, and you have mm-hmm. to wonder if – we had any lasting ramifications after the dust settled. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's funny is how odd and ironic it is that we're covering something called, quote, Final Crisis mm-hmm. when DC has a miniseries called, quote, Heroes in Crisis yeah. in progress at the time <laughs> of this recording. Uh, so much for uh, Final ADC. Yeah. So, you know, for it's really. weird because when we talked about Batman R.A.P., you know, I was immediately uh, – memories came to me, and I was really excited mm-hmm. back in the day when Batman R.E.P. came out. And I remember something of a buzz with it. Mm. When Final Crisis initially came out back in the day, I don't think I was hit with that same impact. Mm. A lot of places I found the story very, very hard to follow. I thought the new God's characters can be a bit hard to get into, and for some, mm-hmm. I think they might even be an acquired taste. Mm. Now – I really like the cameos that we had here. You can call them Easter eggs, if you will. Uh, in an opening panel, we had Anthro. We, sh- we saw Commandy. There was Dr. Light, Mirror Master. Mm-hmm. And hey, shout out to Oracle if you're an Oracle fan. Yep. She does appear here in a few panels. Uh, Savannah was really good. And before I forget, I do want to mention the artwork. I think mm-hmm. Jones did a really, really good job with the artwork in places here. He had a lot of characters to draw. Not spectacular by any stretch, but a decent job. And I hate to use the word serviceable because it sounds like it's a knock, but I thought he really did a good, competent job with that. But there was just so many things going on here, and there was some elements I didn't like. I was lost in a lot of places. Those were my initial thoughts, Jerry. We'll pick it apart a little bit more, but what were your initial impressions? Well, I think that there were just a lot. You have to bring a lot of knowledge about the the greater DC universe um, to really kind of get a real handle on the story. So I'm a Bat Family fan. Um, but, you know, the, you really have to know a little something about the Marvels, about the, the Lanterns, about the Monitors. Yeah, uh, and when you sh- when you shove Anthro and Commandy yeah, in there, yeah. who I don't I know when they previously last appeared, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's no editorial note to go off of. I right. don't know if anybody knows who, who these people are walking around. Yeah. Um, you know, even we get a- Aquaman. He shows up a couple of times in a couple of panels, but he doesn't really do anything. And I think they were just introducing the new Aquaman, I think. Um, I have to go back and look at what was happening in the Aquaman universe um, at the time. But, you know, they were mentioning him a couple of times, but he didn't really impact the story. I like the super young team. I thought they were really funny. Um, that whole thing was very lighthearted. And, you know, when you get Captain Carrot in a, in a book, you know, they are really digging deep into the files. For <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. Um, so it's all here. Yeah, it sure is. So, you know, for myself, being a Bat Family fan, um, it was, t- it was a tough read. Um, I really, as I went through it the first time, it was very difficult. And to be honest, I did not enjoy it. Um, I, I think though, you know, so when, as we go forward talking about that, I do respect the fact that there are people that do love all of these other, um, you know, universe crews, the marbles or the, the lanterns and, and stuff like that. And I think, you know, please take that into account when you're listening to me talk about it, because, you know, this book kind of isn't for me. 
Um, this book is for somebody that is, you know, more of a, a wider DC universe fan. It was a very difficult read for me. Um, I've, I've liked a lot of these other, you know, bigger kind of uh, DC universe books like, you know, Kingdom Come or uh, New Frontier, you know, by Darwin Cook. Um, and, and this is the kind of, um, you know, territory that this book is trying to cover. And, you know, I liked those other books, but, you know, I particularly like those creators. Um, this one, uh, you know, it just, it just really didn't connect for me, but, you know, it's not really for me to say in some ways, because I'm just not a fan of this greater universe. I, I think there's a lot of really, really cool stuff in here, but I just wasn't able to get past the fact that it's like, how much of this Marvel, you know, the Marvel people am I going to have to understand to get through this? That's a fair point, Jerry. You know, uh, Morrison unashamedly takes a lot of the toys out of the toy box, if you yeah. will. And yeah. it's almost like you, you, you need a who's who at your side when you're reading this to mm-hmm. kind of get familiar with it, hero and villain alike. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like to see Savannah in some places. I like sure. seeing Mirror Master and Dr. Light and all these uh, obscure villains. And sure. there were a ton of them here. There were. But in, in the context and in the broader scope, what what am I reading here, and what's what have, what are my takeaways when I'm finished with it? Mm-hmm. I I almost felt like as I was reading this, I got to be a little burned out with mm-hmm. another event book because I just didn't think anything that occurred in it was going to change the DCU. At the end of the day, I thought everything is going to straighten itself out. Is it going to take six months later before Batman comes back? Is it going to take a you know uh, a year? Mm-hmm. Because we we things tend to reset itself, mm-hmm. and I hate to knock Morrison because I think he does craft a really, really opus here, yeah. if you will. But I, I was lost, and I, I don't know if I was to measure his work because he's such a talented writer. Yeah. Where would I put this in the Morrison uh, grading scale? Because mm-hmm. I, I liked Animal Man a lot better. Mm-hmm. I liked All-Star Superman a lot better. I'm, I'm kind of dug Batman R.I.P. a little bit yeah. better. And uh, I don't know. And I... Uh, on paper, this is this is something I would really love to take a bite out of and chew it all up because mm-hmm. I, I do consider myself a DC fan. I like these old characters, but I just didn't get that connection mm-hmm. as a reader, okay. uh, and I, I was I was lost in places, and I and, and frankly, I, I, I was a little disinterested in others. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate the ambitiousness of the project. I don't mm-hmm. want to say Morrison bit off more than he could chew. He's certainly a competent writer. Yeah, but I, I, this just didn't connect for me as I had hoped it would, okay. nor do I think it aged as well mm-hmm. uh, with some of his other works. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. You know, like the whole concept of shooting the bullet from the future into the past. That's Brilliant. Really, I have to give him credit for that. That's, really, that's a really great good. idea. Yep. And, and then Batman uses it to kill Darkseid with. I mean, that's really, really good stuff. Um, and there's like a lot of little touches and I, I know there's some discussion about whether this stuff is good or bad, but like in this, there's a Blackberry phone, right? So if you think <laughs> this is about 10 years ago, Blackberry phones were still a thing. Uh, it was yeah. probably a, t- a high tech item for the time and it dates the book, but I think that's a good thing. I like when they show period details. So when you look back on a story and you reread it, you can kind of place it. That is kind of fun. Um, 
there's a lot of a lot of great stuff. There's an interaction between uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary, and you know I really like them as a couple. I think they had um, a really good relationship, and it was shown really well here. And there was a um, a really really beautiful page as um, Black Canary is transporting out of the Justice League, and he's like saying goodbye to her. And then as she disappears, he kind of turns with kind of a grim face, like to face the fight, you know, and really 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 good art here and the angry superman page when uh superman you know realizes batman's been killed and he just goes off and there's a whole sequence there's a, a really good page of superman flying around blasting things with his eye beams and um the whole sequence as they went through the whole couple of pages and ends with him holding batman's corpse in his arms it's really really powerful really strong so i like, you know, I sense that there's something really, really good here. I just didn't connect with it myself. Jerry, one thing you did allude to was the artwork, and I do want to mention mm. that because Jones didn't quite finish this, and he admittedly said Mikey would have been better for the job. And I thought, I thought wow, how, how, how telling is that? And, mm. and, and, and uh, you know, he really doesn't have his – I'm not saying he doesn't have a sense of pride with the work, but I thought he'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. As, as the story did progress, I really didn't notice any drop-off in art mm-hmm. between Jones mm-hmm. and Pacho and uh, Mankey. I thought, I thought it was consistent. Mm-hmm. I thought it was consistent. But yeah, like you said, Jerry, one of the things that's sort of a tell for me is when we do these things, I, I kind of think, okay, well, if this had multiple printings, you know, this must be really, really good. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, why would they bother with it? But then I thought, am I missing something here? Because I just didn't mm-hmm. like it as far as mm-hmm. the big scope of DC epic event books. Mm-hmm. This, this, this was one that I just don't know. Uh, ranks as high for me personally as, as some mm-hmm. of the other things we, we've covered, be it an event book or not, which yeah. which is kind of sad for me a little way. But, you know, I do have to give it credit, though, when when uh, they, they pull out all the stops. And as you mentioned, Captain Carrot before, you mentioned the nice <laughs> things with Green Arrow and Black Canary. Mm-hmm. There is a lot to pick in here that yeah. that is some some diamonds in the rough, if you will. Yeah. Not that this is all rough, but, no. you know, there were some nice nice things going here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just... Um... It just didn't click in some re- for some um, reason. And the second time I read it, you know, I thought, oh, okay, I, I'm getting this a little more. The problem is the first time through, you meet a character. Is this going to be a major character? Why is he doing this? Why is she saying that? Um, and and there is also the, another big issue I had was with the kind of end, with the killing of Darkseid at the end. Batman shoots him, and the, I mean, it doesn't, it's not a hundred percent clear to me even yet what exactly happened and where we are now at the end. Um, it seems like Darkseid was dead, then he's not quite as dead, then he gets sucked into the, into the, you know, hereafter, and then, but he's made, and then Wonder Woman has to lasso him. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that all worked out. Were you any clearer on that? No, I wasn't. And Jerry, here's a litmus test I'd like to pose to you and anybody else out there. It's one of these things like when you reread it, in, if you're coming at this in, in trade form or issue by issue, mm-hmm. you know, when we've got an event book and this was seven issues. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. At the end of, say, the first one, maybe the end of second one, were you really eager to read the next chapter or at some points did did it get to be kind of a slog for you maybe at a midway mm-hmm. point or at any point in the story did you think 
oh, where is this going, you yeah. know, or something like that. I mean, were you eager to read the next issue after, after any of them? Or when if it ended on a cliffhanger, were you eager to read the next one, like after Timber number two or three? No. I wasn't. <laughs> I, had a, was I, I had to lie so down good. for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I did too. You know, and I, I think that's sort of an interesting tell uh, yeah. that you know, as fans, you know, you want to be captivated and you want to be engrossed with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this was kind of a chore in some places. I and and I really like that he brought back Libra, but mm-hmm. man, you know, and I, I I like the concept, you know, with uh, human flame. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there were some end elements here, but there was just not enough to sustain me and really really grab me to be eager to go through it and just devour this. Yeah. I, I think that if they, they could take this and they, if they simplified the cast, I think they could make it into a mini series or, you know, like a season, you know, you give the characters some backstory, you know, there's a really cool arc of killing dark side. If you can straighten that out. I mean, I think there's something here that looks really cool, but it just didn't talk to me. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I have to rec- really recommend, you know, if before with the Batman RIP, I said, hey, go out and find uh, this uh, Batman Black case book because mm-hmm. you're going to get all these old stories that are referenced here. And again, you're going to I think to enhance this a little bit, you're going to have to look for something which is poorly titled DC Universe Special mm-hmm. uh, colon Justice League of America, which has a great cover, by the way. And it's a nice book. I even mm-hmm. think it reprints the uh, old um Silver Age, uh, Martian Manhunter, Human Flame story where the character was introduced way back in the day. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good material there, but there are just no editorial notes for no, people no. to go off of here. I mean, I think later on there's like a, there's so many editions of this. This thing spawned a lot of crossovers. Uh, mm-hmm. There's probably a director's cut out there which explains everything with notes. But as the material came out, as it was presented, we, we uh, the readers were lost, yeah. which is unfortunate. Yeah. So if you were going to rate this, where would you bring it? Jerry, I was toying between a two and a two and a half, and I, I, I don't want to discredit that because if I think if I gave it below average, I, I'm doing a disservice to the writer and to mm-hmm. the artist. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy the incorporation of elements of the old cast that we have, and the, seeing the DC characters that I hadn't seen in years in comic books was sort of a refreshing treat. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I have to say it's not a good bat book for a beginner, mm. uh, and I can't give it a two because I, I just don't think this was phoned in in any way. I think the, mm-hmm. the, it was an ambitious project. Uh, Jones admittedly, I think, got in over his head, and he needed some help to finish the story, but I, I'm certainly not going to discredit him for that. Mm-hmm. The people who did come in later uh, picked up nicely, and they did a fair job. Uh, I, I'm giving it a two and a half, and I, I feel bad doing that because two yeah. and a half would be a quote-unquote average story. But at the end of the day, if this is an event book and things just really have any lasting impact, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any lasting impacts that this story had. I, I, I hate to be critical, but I think that's the position I'm put in as this podcaster and reviewer. Sure. So I, I'm giving it a two and a half, and I'm not saying it's a must read, nor nor would recommend it for, for a bad book for a beginner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would have to come in around the same um, area. I would somewhere between a two and a two and a half. Um, I don't, this isn't bad. And this actually, there's some parts of this that are really great. Um, but overall as a seven issue story arc, it just didn't work for me overall. So, um, definitely not a must read, um, and not a recommend for a new reader at all. Um, if you're uh, an existing reader and you are, are big into not only the Bat family, but into the other families and the other teams in the DC universe, 
you might this might be something you might want to look at, but this wouldn't be my first recommendation by any um, stretch of the imagination. Yeah, one more thought I had too is I just hate when I see evil version of Mary Marvel. I know people mm. get off on that. I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I always yeah. like Mary Marvel. I, I like that character, and I hate, her, I hate to see her turned evil. But and I just want to again qualify my comment because by no means am I saying this is quote unquote mediocre with a two yeah. and a half rating. I'm, I'm 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 giving I'm knocking some points off just for other elements and components mm-hmm. of the story mm-hmm. that just didn't click or resonate with me. If yeah. that makes any sense to the listener out there, I, I, I think when people say oh two and a half that that means average. Well, mm-hmm. this is sort of above average, but I'm taking it down because I, just from comprehensibility yeah. and other elements of the story that I didn't care for affects my score in this case. Yeah, and you know somebody might like this just to even if they aren't interested in the storyline. I mean, there's some really great art in here and some pages that could be. Um, you know, put in uh, frames and put on your wall. I mean, they're really, really beautiful. Yeah, the covers, the, the variant covers I thought were gorgeous. And oh, yeah. you can certainly make a, a poster, if you will. They, they were just outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what we have for Final Crisis. <laughs> wow. So if you want to, um, you know, find some of the other stuff that, that Chris does, uh, you can see him out on Twitter at BTO and Betbooks. And he, uh, you can see some of his reviews, um, for Batman Adventures on Batgirl to Oracle. You do a lot of stuff over there on Batgirl to Oracle. Some of it's so great. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. Yeah, I, I review the Batman Adventures title. I think I just reviewed issue number 10, and that mm-hmm. uh, podcast is going to drop pretty soon. Stella's on with Donovan. going to be a long episode. What else is new? But it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing it. And uh, always some zany wackiness with, mm-hmm. when, when Stella and Donovan get together. So I'm really looking forward to that episode. It's probably it's going to come out this week, so I'm not sure which will come first, either this or the other episode. Probably Stella's will come. This might be already up when uh, Stella's might be out when this drops. Gotcha. But yeah, I look at Bayman Adventures. I'm also reviewing uh, Archie meets Bayman 66. Oh, and I yeah. look at uh, the Nightwing title from a shipper lens in a segment within a segment that nice. I love to call Nightwatch. And I really appreciate you giving a shout out and a mention. That's now, great. Jerry, I know that you're doing some reviews on the mm-hmm. website, thebatmanuniverse.net. And I think you're looking at Batgirl, which is really, really uh, taken off again really and warned some fans of the series. And you're also looking at Catwoman, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Uh, tell us about that, if you could. Sure. So Batgirl, we we have a new creative team on Batgirl and uh, and Catwoman. It's a new it's a new title that uh, has been out for a couple issues now. Both of them are very good. And if you're fans of either of those characters, uh, you should definitely be checking out those books. Um, Batgirl is is in a kind of an existential crisis at the moment that's really working. And Catwoman, you know, um, after her failed marriage to Bruce, um, is now going and trying to take care of some family business and getting in trouble, as, you know, Catwomen do. Um, so that's uh, that. both of those books I would recommend you checking out if you're interested in those characters. That's great. And Jerry, could people find you on social media, say Twitter perhaps? They possibly could. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. And out there I tweet my weekly comics and we talk about indie comics a lot and uh, talk about horror movies and dark shadows. And uh, Chris and I also are out on Twitter on Saturday nights live tweeting horror movies at the hashtag Spangoolie, which is a lot of fun. 
It is, and we also do some of the Meat TV stuff. Jerry, oh, yeah. I notice you're getting on board a little earlier. You, you mm. try to make Wild Wild West if you can, and I think yeah. uh, I, I chime in with uh, uh, Wonder Woman for sure is when I'm mm. on board. I'm trying to get on on with Wild Wild West, but then there's Wonder Woman, then there's Sven and you're even going even beyond that. You know, Oof. most most Twitter people are calling it a day. You're, you're still going with uh, Lost in Space sometimes, yeah, yeah. and uh, Buck Rogers. And yeah, everything. that's tough. It's just enjoying the the zaniness on, on Saturday nights with our with our friends on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. It sure is. We're having a great time. And and also, don't forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy show. Um, by the time this episode is aired, uh, we're going to have released uh, 25 episodes of the Professor Frenzy show which is a podcast Chris and I have on indie comics and other pop culture topics. And we've been having a great time over there. So check the show out. Search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show. And if you like indie comics, uh, check it out. Hey, Jerry, we got a comment on our last episode, Ooh. 192, where we looked at Batman R.I.P. Mm-hmm. And that's from our good friend Ian Miller. Nice. And Ian is on Twitter at IBM Miller. And he chimed in to say, guys, awesome as usual. Uh-huh. Morrison's run is so confusing. I appreciate the ideas he brought. Dick Bats and Batman Incorporated were absolutely amazing. Yep. But I don't actually enjoy reading what he produces directly. Mm. I wish someone would do a podcast series on his whole run to explain it to him. Smiley face <laughs> emoji. Well, there we go. Yeah. And Ian goes on to state, parenthetically, I would also point out, in Bruce's dream and delusions, he hallucinated a memorial for Stephanie Brown as Robin uh, in his cave. Smiley face emoji <laughs> in parenthetical statement. Yes, Ian, leave it to you to catch that, Absolutely. that uh, Stephanie Brown is Robin. So I, <laughs> shout out to you for your observant, keen observation, and we can't thank you enough for chiming in. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you'd like to comment on any of our shows, uh, probably the most space you would have to do so would be on the Batman Universe homepage where we have a separate link to our show and that is a space where you can uh, leave some comments on Mm -hmm. TBU or you can reply back on Twitter. You may have to do it in multiple tweets if you have a lot of things to say, but Mm -hmm. we can't thank you enough for chiming in and we recently sincerely appreciate you doing so. And we also got some likes and retweets on our past episode. We heard from Dustin Fritchell at Bearded Bad Chief. Thanks so much. Bob Rowland. McCity ah. Brewing. Hey, he's the co-host of a Gal Walks into a Comic Shop podcast. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And that show is on Twitter at Gal Walks, and we highly mm-hmm. recommend that podcast. Yep. Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. Thank you so much. Yeah. Scott X at the Mind of Scott X. Nerdy Dad's podcast. Hey, yeah. it's Sean42AZ, and he also co-hosts the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Great. Thank you to each and every one of you. If I overlooked you, please let Jerry know on Twitter at Professor Frenzy or myself at BTO and Bat Books, and we will be sure to mention you on our next episode. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time where Chris and I will cover Robin's Search for a Hero. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. To instill fear into their hearts, I became a bat, a monster in the night. And in doing so, have I become the very thing that all monsters become, alone. It is a podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. Chris and Jerry help you pick out some winners On Batman and the Bat Fam They do their Bat Jam They're talking about Batman Have a good time
time, no more crime and grime. Do you want to read some Batman trade paperbacks but don't know where to start? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Check out Bat Books for Beginners. It is a podcast on the BatmanUniverse.net where Chris and Jerry talk about their favorite and not-so-favorite Batman trades.